You're listening to the Eastside Church Podcast, and we appreciate you joining us. Let's listen into a message from Pastor Brandon Sharp. Hey, family. Hey. Sometimes you just have those moments with the Lord. They don't look like Sunday morning church. That's perfect. You guys agree? Golly, Father, thank you so much again, God. Thank you for these moments in worship. You are holy. Your word is holy. Your word is life. We're with Peter when he says, where am I going to go? You have the words of life. So continue to teach us. Continue to reveal yourself to us. May there be a yes in our hearts as we open your word. Amen? Amen. Is that you? Good. Turn over to 1 Peter. Michael left me about five minutes to preach this morning. That's okay. It's really okay because the Lord left me about five minutes to preach this morning, so that's even better. (laughs) I came up here and he said, sorry, Brandon. (laughs) Man, we wrapped up our series, y'all, on the names of God. This This is who he says he is. This is what he says about himself last week. Was it a blessing to you? Good. Good. If you haven't listened to certain weeks, go back, listen. It'll be great the second time, third time. But I love the way Pastor Alex closed it last week um, in, in saying this. This is one of my big takeaways from his message. God reveals himself as redeemer, provider, healer, your banner, almighty God, your shepherd, so that we can step into that experience with him and experience, not just that he's that in the cosmos, but so that he can be that to you and I personally. So where we're going to launch into this morning is what God says about us, right? What God says about you, what God says about we, the church. And where I really want to start, and I think, y'all, this is where the Lord, probably not going to be clean and polished this morning. So who cares? If you don't leave with anything else this morning, leave with this. Step into it. Right? So just like we just came out of, I am this, so we could step into something, now we're transitioning into, you are, so we can step into something. Right? God is not just throwing labels and titles out them for himself or his church so we can stay in the same place. Is that good? You guys received that? Good. So we are going to 1 Peter chapter 2. You can turn over there. We're going to spend a minute here on a lot of things that the Lord says about it, says about us, but we're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 2 where he breaks out, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people or a people chosen for his own possession, right? So that's where we're going. We're going to get there in a little bit of a roundabout way, but, but not too roundabout for time's sake. Let me tell you a little bit about Peter and First Peter. This is Peter the apostle, Peter the disciple that walked with Jesus. First Peter was written in A.D., call it 62, 63, right? These kinds of things are important because Peter was martyred in Rome, A.D. 64 through 67. So this letter was written only a couple of years before his death, right? So pretty, pretty late in his life. 
Also important to note that he was writing to, most of Peter's ministry was to the Jewish the Jewish believers, right? So we can probably assume that, although he doesn't specify that specifically. What he does say is that he's writing to Christians, he's writing to believers in the dispersion. So the dispersion was, was a place where Jews moved out of Jerusalem and those not living in Palestine specifically, they lived in places like Galatia, Cappadocia, Pontus, right? So if you go back and you look in the beginning of this letter, he says to the saints of the dispersion. <clears throat> Why is that important? Because he's writing to believers. He's writing to the church in his own day to say, this is who you are right? And that same church, that government that doesn't end, that's always expanding, is alive and well today on the earth, right? So these things are applicable to you and I, written by Peter, inspired by the Spirit of God. Also important because these believers that were in the dispersion, let me tell you one more thing about this real quick, right? In John 7, when Jesus says, I'm going away, you can't follow me where I'm going, their response is, where is he going? Is he going to go to the dispersion, right? So they're, they're misplaced. And that's what, I, that's what I want us to hear. That's why this context is important. They're outside of their homeland. They're outside of their culture. They're outside of their customs. They're living a, 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 a Greco-Roman life. They're living with Greeks. They're living with Romans. And Peter's writing to believers. So Jews and Gentiles alike in that circumstance, but it was hard. It was difficult. Right, JP, that's what I'm setting up. He says, don't think it's strange that this fiery trial has come upon you. So if we're gonna understand 1 Peter 2 and 1 Peter 2, 9, we have to also understand the, the, one of the major themes in 1 Peter, which is this, encouragement for believers to stand strong during a hard time during persecution. Later in Peter, Peter will go on to say, like, suffer, but don't suffer for basically being an idiot, right? <laughs> suffer for being righteous. Suffer for following Jesus. Suffer for doing the right thing. Don't suffer because you decided to act out on your emotions and then bad things came your way. Basically, that's, that's, that's Brandon's version, okay? You can go back and read it later. So there's hard things going on in the life of these believers, believers, and Peter is encouraging them in their faith. He's encouraging them in their call. He's encouraging them in their identity. Now, how about your season? How about my season? We were, we were having a conversation with some of the newer families to the church on Wednesday night, and and. And one of the guys in the room who I'm very much enjoying getting to know was, was asking about the vision of the church. And so I walked through some things, but one of the things that I said was, was right now, the vision of the church, <laughs> that's funny, that's gonna stay in here. The vision of the church <laughs> is, 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 is healing a fractured faith. People's, people's faith has been fractured. You, you guys feel that? You know, you, you can feel it in the atmosphere. It's, it's so real. And so there's this long-term vision. There's these things that God has on our hearts. But then there's right now, like, what are we going through as a family? And it's hard and it's confusing, right? People, people, are, people are tired. People are worn out. You can feel darkness. You can, you can feel attack, Right? On our, on our God, on his word, on a call to holiness, on values, on all these things. And they weigh on our faith. 
And so I set up the word in 1 Peter because it's so relevant. It's so applicable, right? Now, no one's telling us. I don't want to cheapen anything here. No one's telling us, you profess the name of Christ and you die right now, right? They were enduring a persecution that, that we have not seen. But it also doesn't mean that our season is not difficult. So I don't want to cheapen either. Is that, is that fair? Is that good for you guys? All right. So let's get started in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. I'm just going to read through, y'all. We're going to jump over to Exodus 19. So if you want to put a mark there or whatever so you can beat me there, you can do that. But we're going to go to Exodus 19 here in a little bit because this is a call of identity where God says you are. But it's not the first. It's not the original. So we're going to read here, then we're going to go back and look at the first. But I'm just going to read through, and as I read through, I'm just going to, just going to talk to us and share some things on my heart as we go. Is that okay? Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Okay. I could spend the next 30 minutes right there, but we're not going to. But I want you to hear a couple of things that are very important. When I say there is a, there's a spiritual attack right now, this is, this is a lot of it right here. It's a call to holiness, right? In a, in a day and age for us where the, gosh, I won't even say the undertones, just the out loud voice of the world, don't tell me what to do. You kidding me right now? Who the heck do you think you are? And the same is in the church. You guys agree? Right? And I'm grateful for our body here. Like we wouldn't experience the presence of the Lord like we just did and like we do so often if there weren't a lot of people with a heart for righteousness in this room. Right? And so I'm grateful. I'm honored to be a part of your family. But the other truth is, man, we got a long way to go. We can all move forward, right? And so, so our heart needs to, needs to value and stand for this and welcome this in this, hey, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We, we need to understand two things. Growth only happens with holiness. There is, no whole, there is no growth apart from holiness. And listen, there's a world out there, right? Call it enlightenment, call it postmodern, call it whatever you want. There's a world out there that says growth, and particularly growth that has lasting and intrinsic value and in all these things, it can happen outside of holiness as God defines it. But for the church, for those called, for those with a different identity, Right? For that chosen generation, this right here, Peter's defining it for us. Have this heart for holiness and have this desire for the word so that you can grow. You guys hear that? Do we hear that as a body? We have to be people. It's going to get harder, y'all. It's going to get harder. It's going to get darker. The attack's going to intensify. It's going to cost you and I more to be a Christian in the days ahead. Right? So that is the, hey, step into it. Like, move forward. I love that you brought that. I know you didn't plan on bringing that, but, but they asked me what the title for the message was going to be today, and I had no idea. But, Christy, what did I say? Forward. forward. We didn't talk, y'all. 
This isn't rehearsed. It isn't planned. Forward. Nor is that the title that I have on this paper right here, but it's, it's what God put in my heart this morning. Forward. Right? And everything you're going to say is about, is about helping people that you love move forward. Okay? All right. So you would grow by holiness, and we grow by the word of God. By the way, if we approach the word of God without a heart for holiness, we might as well not bother. Come on, y'all. That's better. That's better than your response right there. <laughs> Listen, there's people that know the word of God, what it says, can recite it to include Satan himself, but I've, I've done life with some professors and things. They're not transformed. They don't believe. They don't have a relationship with the Lord. What's the difference? The posture with which they approach the word of God yeah. is the difference. Right? One of the things that I'm growing fonder and fonder of saying here is not only do we as a church study the word of God, we allow the word of God to study us. Can you guys see that? Right? So it's about holiness. It's about the word of God. Now, let me just hold this up for any of you that actually still bring a Bible to church. I know it's gotten unpopular. There's an attack on this. Big time. Has been for a long time. And if we're going to, to, I don't want to say make it because God doesn't call us to make it. If we're going to stand, if we're going to endure, if we're going to thrive, if we're going to be giants in the land, right? If we're going to be a Goshen type light in the midst of darkness, that's what God calls us to. It's right here. It's right here. It doesn't mean God doesn't use other things to speak to us right? That's ridiculous. That's like saying God doesn't use creation. God doesn't use doctors. God doesn't use therapists, right? But we have to recognize this as the standard, as the foundation, right? As the absolute truth by which every other truth is measured against. As God teaches, us to, teaches it to us by his spirit, Right? But listen, there's, we're surrounded by it every day, y'all. It's out there. Like, you don't need it. Right? Some of our time in it reflects, or lack thereof. You don't need it. You good? There's a reason he says as newborn babies. Desire the pure milk of the word as newborn babies, that you may grow thereby. Because that newborn baby, desperate. Right? Desperate. So, so how do you do it, Bula? We can't manufacture this, this, this desperate sense in us. You decide, I'm showing up here every day, hungry, whether I feel like it or not. Right? That's what it, that's what it takes. That's what it takes to really be an overflow. All right, we're moving. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Watch precious. He calls, he calls the Lord, the Lord Jesus, precious three times. One in four, one in six, one in seven. That's a, that's a unique word. It's three times there. I'm not gonna dive into it, but again, I will say in this season, it seems that Jesus Christ is becoming more precious to those who are engaging him, encountering him, walking with him, hungry for him, looking for him, pressing into him, and others are casting him aside. 
right? So, so it calls him, Peter calls him precious. Remember, they're walking through a similar season. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Living stones, we're gonna, we're gonna get to the priesthood here in just a minute. Living stones, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Let me say two things here. I love that we're, I love that we're, Drew, this reminds me of a conversation you and I had recently. I love that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, right? This is a, this is a big spiritual house with a big mission of spiritual sacrifices rising to the living God. And we are living stones. And we're about to get into Jesus is that cornerstone. A couple of things that really speak to me is the Lord invites us into a collective identity. Right? Like which stone on your house is really calling out for the attention? What a ridiculous question, Brennan. I agree. Right? The identity is, is the whole house. Even Jesus is, is okay identifying himself within within that house. He says, I'm the cornerstone, right? Where's Brock? Is he in here? All right, I loved, I loved what he shared about the cornerstone, right? Marcus said about the cornerstone, but it's still a part of the, of the big, huge, amazing, wonderful, mysterious, glorious thing the Father God is building, Right? And so to be a part of that, but also think about this from a sense of stones. How connected are the stones in your house? No, I'm an introvert, Tori. People aren't really my thing. Okay? Have fun being part of the house. I know there's introverts, y'all. I know there's extroverts. I know there's different ways that we recharge. But again, we are about to jump into this conversation of holy nation chosen generation, right? And so I want our minds thinking about what separates us. What separates us? What makes us holy, right? What are those things? Holy, different, set apart. Doesn't look like everything else, right? We're up here worshiping. I'm calling the Lord holy. Most of the times after that, I'll say, there's no one else like you. No one loves like you. You stand alone, God. Right? And so think in those terms. But one of the, one of the things is not only that we're, we're, we're being built up into something amazing. John talks about the heavenly Jerusalem coming down and descending to the earth for the rule and reign of Christ, which is with us. So we're being built up but it's, it's living stones. We're connected. We're side by side. It's a communal identity, right? So with all the deconstruction conversation that's out there, and we've, we've said it before, is God using that? Yes, absolutely, to purify, to check our hearts, to keep us from going through a routine, checking boxes, coming here, going through motions, right? To keep us relevant to a world around us that really, really needs us and is really, really, in some ways, speaking a different language than we are. Absolutely, he's using it. But Jesus has been deconstructing and stripping away ideas and traditions of man forever. And so it's not new. This isn't a postmodern thing. Not what the Lord's on. Adam, where are you? That's deconstruction. You in trouble. What'd you do? 
We got something to tear down now, something to build back up, right? But we can't lose sight that we're being built up. We're being built up into a spiritual house. Don't lose hope in the church. That's what you hear me saying, and you're here, and I thank God for that, and you're online, and I thank God for that. We have to anchor in this word. God does not have a plan outside of the church. He never has. He never will. It's just a matter, Alex, of what you said to me when you walked over to me in worship. Who's going to go with him? You know? Pastor Alex said Joshua was already in the promised land, and the Lord came to him and said, are you, are, are you, he, he came to the Lord and said, are you for me? Are you for me or against me? And the Lord said, mm-mm. I'm the commander of the, of the army of hosts. I'm, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. Are you with me? Right? So there is, a, there is a move. The kingdom is expanding. The kingdom of God is moving forward. Right now, Brandon, with all the turmoil, like, do you see the news updates I'm getting? Yes. Do you see that people have lost their minds? Yes. Can you feel the socialism push in the air? Yes. Do you know who's president? Yes. Do you see the racial mess? Yes. COVID, yes. Tighten it up again, yes. God's on the move. God's moving his church, right? God wants to establish us in identity. God is building. God hasn't stopped building. Have you? Have I? That's the question. Right? There's no condemnation on it, y'all. It's been hard on us all. Did we stall out? Did we put it in neutral? Have we put it in reverse? I'm just going to back this thing up and watch what unfolds from a distance. Easy to do. Easy to do. What I want us to hear Right here towards the beginning, I hope that doesn't scare you. Right here towards the beginning, what I want us to hear is this. God hasn't stopped advancing. He hasn't stopped building. He hasn't stopped moving forward. And I think there is a prophetic call for you and I to step into that says, me neither. I haven't, and I won't. Or if I have, over I'm moving with you God I'm not going to stop moving with you and so this is why he reminds them of their identity six therefore it's also contained in the scripture behold I lay in Zion a chief quarterstone elect precious he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame therefore to you who believe he's precious But to those who are disobedient, listen, to you who believe, he's precious. One of the things we have to watch for in our hearts is a a coldness, an indifference, a cynicism, right? Like a a judging of of everything, every doctrine, everyone. I'm not saying don't weigh things. Weigh, weigh. Spirit of the prophets, subject of the prophets, weigh, examine. But but, but when, when things that are spiritual associated with God, associated with his people, start to become offensive to you and I. 
a warning flag needs to go up, right? To say, wait, what, what was becoming more and more precious to me, something shifted right here. And now an idea that was once precious to me, a holy idea, is offensive to me, right? It's, it's what he says. Therefore, to you who believe, he's precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Who's this talking about, church? Talk to me. Let's have a conversation. Who's it talking about? It's talking about the Jewish people. Okay. Okay. It's okay. We'll all keep studying our Bibles. We'll be good. Listen, it's talking about the Jewish people. They rejected Jesus. He became the cornerstone. Now he's a rock of stumbling. He's a, he's a stone of stumbling. He's a rock of offense. This is talking about the Jewish rejection of their priesthood and their high priest, right? And Peter, being a Jew and being familiar with their journey and with their story, would be able to speak to this. So these scriptures are in Isaiah, you know, where the prophets are, are talking about this and they're, and, they're, and they're prophesying the Savior to come, right? He even says they searched out, is this for their time? Is this for another time? And Peter says, this is for our time, right? And so because the, the Jewish people rejected their Savior and their Messiah, you and I can be grafted in. It's okay. You can say amen. We can be grateful, right, that their rejection is our salvation. But we can't be as haughty, right? We can be grateful that God's mercy is just that huge. Like, ah, oh, Lord, wow. Let me show you a scripture. We're on our way to, to Exodus, right? And we'll probably finish there. But let me show you a scripture between 1 Peter and Exodus. It's in Romans. It's in Romans Think forward, think what sets us apart. Don't lose that. Where's it at in Romans? Romans 11? No. Yeah, Romans 11. All right, Romans 11. <clears throat> Israel's rejection, not final. I love this, right? Paul says, I say then, they, the Jews, they have stumbled that they should have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Say, that's me. Now, if their fall, 12, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? Why does he say that, y'all? Be encouraged right here. Because fullness is coming to the Jewish people. Right? Fullness is coming. For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry, Paul says. 14, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. 15, for if they're, listen to this, if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Do you guys hear that? Does that get you excited? Oh my gosh. Like, as much as we all think we know what the end times and the rapture and the pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib and all that and the thousand year reign, right? Like the revelation of what it looks like is probably going to make us all look pretty foolish. But the Lord calls us in and he says, study and learn, 
right? He's, he's patient with us in that process. He loves that process. What we can be certain of is that the Jewish rejection of Jesus is not final, Amen. right? But the Jewish rejection of Jesus right now has opened the door for us. And it opened the door for these believers that Peter was writing to. Yes? You with me? Yeah. Right? There is no, understand this, there is no, you guys can turn over to Exodus 19. I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go back to 1 Peter real quick, read this scripture to you, and then we'll go over there. There is no but you without their rejection. Do you guys understand that? We may not like that. That may make us uncomfortable, but it's just true. You know, you know what we like to do with things that make us uncomfortable? Act like they don't exist, but they still do. Right? Listen, they stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also were appointed. Do you hear it? They were appointed and disobedient. It's going to challenge someone's theology in the room. They were appointed and they stumbled and they were disobedient. But you, always when we quote this scripture, it seems like we never put but on the front of it, pastor. Right? It's just you are. And it does say that, but there's a but. The but's important. Thank you, Lord. You enjoy that moment with me, right? But you are. Why? He's, he's drawing a contrast. This is a contrast. When he says they rejected the chief quarterstone, and, and he's, but he's become precious to you, and they stumbled because they were disobedient, but you? There's one people that responded this way right over here to a call, to an invitation, to a priesthood, to all these things we're about to read about. But you can, you, can you hear it? Can you feel it, right? I'm not painting too, too creative of a picture here, but you, like a brother-sister conversation, right? Like your brother, he really blew it, but you? <laughs> different possibility, different future, right? But you, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Anyone in the room, y'all? We just sang about it, right? We just sang about it. Now, we could do deep dives on all these titles, right? Like I've done it, and they're in my notes. All the things the Lord says, you know? And is certainly, as you, as you don't, as you, Bobby, I'm thinking about you, you and I's conversation before the service, right? As you don't feel these things, these things are a struggle to you. There's something to be said for, no, God, you call me holy, right? I don't feel holy. I don't feel like I'm a part of anything. But you call me a holy generation, Right? I don't feel like a priest, but you call me a priest. Yes. Is our confession important? Yes. Is putting our foot down important and saying, I don't care how I feel. I don't care who my mama was, who my daddy was, what they said about me, how big they dropped it, how much they called it together, what culture says, what's going on in the world right now. This is who the word of God says I am. Does that have power on it? You betcha. Why? Because we're agreeing with God. 
We're agreeing with the word that's alive. Is that the whole thing to do? No way. Not even close. There's a walking out. There's a process. There's everyday decisions. There's a call to holiness. I don't care how much you and I say, I'm a holy generation. If we're making unholy decisions, it doesn't matter. Right? So I just, we the church, so oftentimes it's like we have, to, we have to pick one extreme over the other. Like, oh no, like just confess yourself until it happens. Like, oh no, it's just about what you do. No, it's both. It's both. It's both. So, so that is important. But, but y'all, like very quickly, let me do this because I really want to get over to Exodus before we close. Chosen generation before the foundation of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, right? God not only had the Jewish people and their call and this invitation of them in his mind before the world was, he had their rejection in his mind and he had our call in their place in his mind and he had us making them jealous so before the end they would say yes and that would usher in the return of Jesus and the dead coming back to life before the foundation of the world. Chosen. Jeremiah echoed it. You knew me. Before I was in the womb, you knew me. You called me as a prophet to the nations. Ephesians 2.10 echoes it and saying, we're God's poems. We're, we're created in Christ Jesus for good works before the world began, right? We're a chosen generation. Now, holy nation. Turn with me over to Exodus 19. Holy nation. And this is, this is what I really, this is what I really think. This is what I really think is important. that we strip a lie away that would, that, would, that would call us to live up to our identity, right? There's something in culture right now that as soon as you actually, actually ask for anything, right? I mean, our culture's even struggling with identity right now. But, but say once for, for those who get the identity piece there, then it's like, no, it's just all about my identity, right? Because we bought so much into you're your, 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 your not what you do or you're more than what you do. Is that true? Absolutely. But it's almost like we've taken it so far that what we do doesn't matter. Just who we are, right? It's summertime, y'all. We've been hanging out in the pool. And at the Sharp House, we tend to go through about two pool rafts a week right? Guess what? They're pool rafts. What are they made to do? There you go. That's why we go through two a week. What happens when they start floating? They stop floating. What happens? And then what do I do with them? Why? Is, why? Is it because I have no respect for their identity? They laugh barefoot. Take it to the Christian church today. Take it to a mindset that says, no, this is who God says I am. What I do? Sure. Because a hammer that doesn't hammer seems worthless to me. And a parent that doesn't parent You just go, why are you a parent in the first place? 
right? I know that's somber, y'all. I know that's serious, but it needs to be serious. Holiness is serious. This identity, this holy nation that we are, it does not come without incredible responsibility. And the church, parts of the church, are quickly losing all sense of that responsibility. And just saying, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. And all of a sudden, the way they treat people, what comes out of their mouth, the way they treat their spouse, the way they parent their kids, right? The way they treat a waiter at a restaurant doesn't matter. And you go, no. That's a pool raft that doesn't float. Why do I, why do I, why do I bring that up? Because we're, we're a royal priesthood, right? We're a priest. What are, what are priests anointed to do? They're, they're anointed to be with God. They're anointed to minister to the Lord. We have this access in Christ that is indescribable to be with the Father. But we're also called to be the bridge between people and God, right? To connect people with God, to be a part of their journey of, of bringing their sacrifices to the Lord, right? And listen, y'all, I just want you to hear me say family, family to family, friend to friend. You guys know me. You love me. I love you. We do life together. And without holiness, we're just screwing around. Without holiness, nothing's happening. We're not being priests. We're not being a holy nation. We're not being a chosen people. So do we do these things so that we can have these identities? No, we do these things because these identities have been purchased for us. Right? They've been, they've been given to us, and when they're given to us, there's a stewardship, Bulo, that we have got to take seriously. Because he said the same thing to them in, in Exodus 19. I've, I've, I've called you to be all these things in verse 5, and we're going to skate through it. Therefore, if you'll indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me. Think rubies. Think what you value more than anything else in life. You'll be this special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. The promise was first to them. Is Christ our righteousness? Yes. Is his sacrifice perfect and complete? Is it enough? Yes. Have the conditions of this priesthood and this holy nation and this chosen generation changed? No. If you'll obey my voice, if you'll keep my covenant, then you'll be then you'll be this to me. Why? Because the point of it all in the first place is to show forth the praise of him who called us out of darkness 
and into marvelous light. It's so much more than just something, you guys hang with me, like another five and we'll be there, okay? Listen, it's so much more than just the things that come off of our lips. It literally means that our lives are a mirror for his virtue, right? That people would look at us and they would see the excellencies that our creator God in you. We've got to start thinking, if I'm the only Jesus, if I'm the only expression that they see in my workplace, in my school, in my marriage, in my home, what will they know God to be? Who will they know God to be? This is his design. This was his design for Israel. You're gonna be this special people to me. You're chosen among the nations. You're a holy nation. You're different than every other. I want you to be a kingdom of priests to me. I don't mean to yell at you guys. I'm just passionate. I'm just excited about this. Right? I want you to be this kingdom of priests to me. Now think, we gotta get the imagery in our heads. What did he call the nation of Israel to be? A resource for the globe. The nations didn't start to be on God's heart when the children of Israel rejected him. They were on his heart before he created the universe. Jesus is the desire of nations. Right? He said, I want you to be called out and separated and different and holy so that they can see you and they can see that difference and it'll draw, it'll draw them in. And when they come in, I want you to be priest. I want you to connect them with God Almighty. Now listen, we're not going to read it. We don't have time. When they said yes, we'll do it. We'll keep all these words. It's in verse 6 and 7. When they said yes, guess what God said? I'm coming. I'm coming. And the Father in his glory descended down on the top of Mount Sinai. And he set up borders so the people wouldn't die, right? They wouldn't come up the mountain. And he descended but he still called them close. Consecrate the people, Moses. I'm coming to meet with my people, right? And Moses said, wash your clothes. Don't be too close to your wives. PG version. And the Lord came down and what they had done was not enough. And Moses came up the mountain and he said, get away from me. The people are trying to break through to gaze. They're going to kill themselves. But let the priest come near to me. Right? Kingdom of priests. Nation of priests. Let the priest come near to me. But they have to consecrate themselves first. He's a king. He's holy. Guess what he did, church? This is so important. Oh my God, we need this. God spoke to them the Ten Commandments from the top of the mountain. They heard the voice of God. Look at me. It's okay. They're just walking. Listen. Have no other gods before me. Right? Do this. Don't do this. Don't murder. Don't covet. Don't lust. 
Don't want your neighbor's wife. Don't slander. Four verses on the Sabbath, by the way, church. Keep the Sabbath holy. I'm not sure when that one became optional. I'm not sure when the Ten Commandments became optional. Do they not fit perfectly within the law of love? This is what happened between the old covenant and the new. What you had to just do on the outside, now you have to do on the outside and the inside. Murder was just an act before, now it's also a heart issue. Why? Why are you going into all this, Brennan? Because there's no other way, as we start this series on identity, there's no other way to represent a holy God than to say yes to holiness to a degree that all of us never have before in our lives. Do you guys hear that? Right? If you're sitting there saying to include the one who's saying it, Brandon, I'm, I wish this message applied to me, but I've already surrendered to God. There's more. There's so much more. There's so much more. But listen, after the Lord gave them a standard, think of the Ten Commandments as a standard. After he gave them a standard, after he said, you can't be a holy nation any way you want to. You can't be a royal priesthood any way you want to. That's the spirit of the world that's creeping into the church. Yes, we can have Jesus. And just like happens in India, we'll add him to the other 40 million gods we have or whatever. That's not Christianity. We can't embrace these identities that God's given us and invited us into as a chosen generation, holy nation, royal priesthood, people peculiar to himself for his own possession and not look different. And this is what they did, church, and it's tragic. The Jewish people, his chosen kingdom of priests, said, Moses, you hear from God for us. It says they saw the thunderings and the lightnings and they heard the voice from heaven and they said, we'll stand far off. And they backed up. This is why I said some of us neutral. Some of us have backed up. I see so many similarities between this story and our season right? It's gotten too confusing, too hard, dark. There's too many questions. Let me just create some distance between all the things of God and how to follow him in this crazy time right now. Let me just create some distance and I'll watch back here and somebody else can be in the middle of it. You hear God for me and then I'll listen to you. And they missed their priesthood. They denied their priesthood. God said, come near. And it was scary. And it was difficult, and it was hard to understand, and it was something they had never encountered before. And they watched it all happen from a distance and said, it's too scary for me to hear from God. This is what they said, church, lest we die. What do you hear there? Let me tell you what I hear there. They kept their distance for fear of what they might lose. I'm not going that close to that mountain because I might lose my life. No wonder Jesus says, unless you're willing to 
lay down your life. You can't follow me. Unless the seed falls into the ground and dies. You can't yield. If you're mindful of what you're going to lose in this season, you might miss what God's doing. You might miss where God's moving. And I don't want to miss him. I don't want us to miss him, right? He's moving forward. He's calling a priesthood. We are that priesthood. You are that priesthood. We are that generation. We are those people. Stand with me. And as you stand, I'm going to make one statement. Then we're going to pray. I know it's almost noon. Gosh, there's so much, Lord. I tried. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we'll hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. God has come to test you. That his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. That's it, church. What's the Lord doing in all this mess? Returning a healthy fear of God to the church. Testing the church. Refining the church so that they may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Isn't it amazing that he dwells both in thick darkness and unapproachable light? Our vision's crippled in both of those places, boss. Because he's God. And it's about leaning in. It's about not stopping. Pressing into that mountain. What if we die? Then we die. We'll be with him. Right? Don't stop. Don't draw back. Move forward. You know, this nation was called to be priest to a globe. And instead, they needed a remnant of who they were to be that to them. Did you hear what I just said? This nation that God called to be priest to his world needed someone to be what God called them to be to the world. They needed someone to be that for them. Because they shrunk back. And all you hear me up here long-windedly and sloppily saying is, we're not drawn back. We're not drawn back. Holy nation, chosen generation, royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, who now is called with that same promise to be a resource for the world around you. Your husband, your wife, your children, your neighbor, your friends, your coworkers, your students, 
This is the identity. This is the call. Holiness. Show them who he is. Father, we've got to go. But I wish we didn't. But we do. Thank you for your word, God. Your word is holy. Thank you for your call to holiness, Father. Thank you for not leaving us in the darkness that you found us in, God. Thank you for this journey of making us more like you, God. Thank you for trusting us with the ministry of your Son. To tell the world, to show the world, this is who God is. This is how he loves you. This is what's possible. This is the freedom you can have. This is the peace you can have. This is why I walk the way I walk. This is what you sense that's what's different. This is what's different in my life. God, may we look different. May we be different. Where we're as bound as the world, help us step into freedom. Father, where we're as selfish as they are, minister life to us, God. Where we're as afraid as they are, give us courage, Father. Set us free from anxiety, God. Where we're as stingy as they are, work generosity in us, Father. Where we look nothing different from them, help us look entirely where we're as mean as they are, God. Help us be gentle and choose mercy. And Father, where we're proud like them. I pray that we would begin to offer you the sacrifices of a broken and contrite spirit, God. May we be humble before you. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.